What's happening in the real estate industry 10 years from now? What's your prediction? I think we're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's Nate DeSaro and welcome to Titans of Industry, the podcast where I talk to industry leaders and innovators who are at the top of their game and leading the pack in their fields, uncovering some of the best stories in today's business landscape. In today's episode, I talk with Chase Rackley, a realtor and business consultant of the Rackley team. His experience in marketing strategy and sales has launched a highly successful real estate business in just a few short years. Chase talks about how hearing a lot of no's inevitably leads to yeses. Also, invaluable lessons he's learned from mentors and friends, and how starring in funny music videos has become part of his brand. And now let's get to the episode. But before we do, it's important to know that whether you're a small business owner or the face of a multi-billion dollar industry, your organization has a great story to tell and Content Titan wants to help you tell it. We are a digital content creation powerhouse built for the 21st century, providing all-in creative, strategic, production, post-production, and distribution services for a 360-degree, 24-7 world. In our world, Titans are passionate, creative doers. They have the experience to take your project from start to finish, minimizing your involvement so you can focus on what matters most, running your business. So if you're ready to take your content strategy and production to the next level, our Titans are ready to help. Now here's my conversation with Chase Rackley. All right. Well, welcome, Chase. Thank Thanks you, for being on the show. Oh my gosh. I'm fired up to be here. <laughs> so let's just jump right in. I, I want you to start by telling me who was Chase Rackley as a kid? What, what were the things that you enjoyed doing when you were a youngster? I appreciate you to ask, and I, I probably wouldn't normally uh, tell people this, but as a kid, I mean, some of my favorite things to do that I remember was ding-dong ditching, Chanel Circle, and hiding a camera across the street in the trees so I could film people's reactions as they came out looking for who was ringing the doorbell. And I would put the, you know, the content together in a video and, and share it with the rest of the neighborhood kids, and that was like my first you know, experience of like making a video and, and, you know, knocking on doors. And I feel like I basically do the same thing now. I'm, you know, knocking on doors and trying to get people to come and let me sell their house. Fair enough. The, the, uh, stakes have changed a little bit. Stakes have changed. It's, it's a little less of a, um, you know, you're just trying to get a rise out of people. Now you're actually trying to help. That's people. right. Yeah. Now we're trying to help people. Um, but yeah, man, as a kid, I used to love, you know, making, uh, videos and doing, um, you know, projects for school, like the opportunity to like give a speech always pumped me up. You know, in fact, there were a couple of classes where I, I really struggled, but then when it, the option came to maybe do a speech or a video presentation and in, in lieu of a, uh, a test, it was my time to shine. And it, it kind of rescued me when there were opportunities to show a little bit of uh, creativity. And, and that's what I remember most as a kid is just, you know, really enjoying creative outlets you know, playing around with the neighborhood kids, ding dong ditch and whatever, uh, just with great, great friends. So one of my favorite questions to ask Titans is what was it that propelled you to enter into the industry? And most people, you know, the, the select few that kind of know their career path from age two, which mm. is very few people, I feel yes. like, um, you know, they, they kind of have it figured out and they just go that way. 
But for most of us, usually when we enter college, we don't really know what we want to do. That's right. Uh, and, and a lot of us exit college and still have no clue, yeah. but we now have a history degree or an art degree and we've got to go make a living. Talk us through how you kind of got to that yeah, point of I figuring love that out your question. career. Yeah. So in college, I had someone reach out to me and say, hey, I need a website for this new restaurant that we're starting. And I, I want to pay you to, to help build this website. And I had never built a website in my life, but... I thought, man, I bet I could find a good team of people on this campus to, to help me figure that out. And in that effort, I, I met, you know, I had, there's this guy uh, named Nate, actually, was his name. And his passion was making websites. And so he was the first person I called. And through that friendship, uh, I just kind of asked, like, man, could we help this client together? And could I have the opportunity to watch and study what you do on building this website? And, and because he was... I mean, he was kind of an outcast socially. He spent so much time investing in how do I discover this client's needs and become ex- really provide exactly what they need. I want to, because I might not fit in, I want to make this business look so good. And so that they fit in with their clients. And it was a really interesting experience connecting with him. And so through that relationship, I felt, I fell in love with marketing. You know, how do I make a business look great? How do I make a product you know, something that people want to experience and not just on a aesthetic level, but also on an understanding the code level, the behind the scenes, how do we, how do we set this up? And at the end of the day that it's making money for the client. And so through that relationship, uh, we started a small business. Uh, It was called Rackley Creative. And that was actually uh, our real estate business became Rackley Creative's biggest client. Um, But to, to not fast forward too fast through that, really, I, went from the marketing business to the automotive industry doing marketing for crane automotive. And that's when Roddy McCaskill came in to meet uh, with me about buying a car. And I was just so impressed with him. I mean, he was just an incredible negotiator and really, I just thought, man, this guy is impressive. And so I asked him, I said, Roddy, what do you do? And his answer for whatever reason really stuck with me. And he said, I sell homes and his old country Southern accent and flipped his business card to me in kind of a suave way that really stuck with me. I said, wow, what is that like? And and he just kind of told me about this industry of selling homes and it's an incredible industry. And so, uh, crazy timing, the dealership I was serving ended up selling. And, and so there was a, a major shift at that corporation and so in that season, I thought, well, I should now, if ever, now's the time to consider if I was to tap into another industry, what would it be? And so I had the, the gracious support of my previous employer who paid for me to go to Atlanta, Georgia, to take the Johnson O'Connor aptitude test. And anyone who's able to invest in that type of aptitude testing, I would strongly challenge to take advantage of the Johnson O'Connor aptitude test or some sort of you know, deep testing. I mean, it's crazy. Like I walk in the door and they like throw balls at you and evaluate how you respond when they, you know, shake your hand, they evaluate how hard did you grip? You know, they'll, they'll play two tones like beep, beep and say, which one was a higher pitch? And you're like, Oh my goodness. So it's a really deep detailed aptitude test. And at the end of it, they said, we think your most profitable industry and most energizing industry that you would, you know, engage would, would likely be real estate. 
And I said, well, I'm all in, baby. Let's go. So this was a scientific endeavor. It was this a scientific was... endeavor. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I called Roddy and said, hey, I want to apply my marketing experience to your business. And he said, good news. I'm about to retire in about a year or two. I want to teach you everything I know. And he was so generous and taught me everything that I know. Roddy was a top five producer uh, in the city of Little Rock for, he says 40, but provably 35 years in a row. And he taught me everything that I know. That's awesome. Well, that's a great entry into a, a market is by having somebody with that much experience at that sort of level of, I guess he would be kind of the predecessor to our type oh, yeah. of concept. Absolutely. So you come into an industry with a marketing background and then you get, I guess, the appropriate licensing and training to become uh, a real estate professional and you start running with the ball, right? So, I mean, I'm assuming you didn't take much time to kind of get your feet wet. Oh yeah, no. I mean, it it was, it was really cool because Roddy did bless me with the opportunity to serve some of his clients uh, that I absolutely did not deserve, you know, like, Hey Chase, here's a client that's called in, take them, find them a house. And, you know, that definitely was a, a major blessing to have someone who really trusted me before I deserved it. And, you know, also he was really wise to not just give me business. In fact, he, he even told me that the best way I could help you fail is by giving you business. The best way I can help you succeed is by helping you grow business and create business. So his challenge to me was chase, just make 20 calls a day. Like, and I'm talking about connections. So I would call probably make 50 to 70 calls to actually have a conversation with 20 people a day. That was my goal. I wasn't going to go home until I had 20 conversations a day. And, the, and I couldn't qualify it as a conversation unless I asked the question, who do you know who needs to buy a home or sell a home that I could call today? I know a lot of people who either get into business for themselves or are working at a job and they just feel like, well, I'm not successful enough or I'm not you know, growing fast enough. So this isn't the right opportunity. And a lot of times what it is, is they haven't done the right things. They haven't taken the right steps. They haven't worked hard enough. And, and they think that it's going to come to them easily. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's great advice that he gave you to, oh, absolutely. to not just give you business. Cause I, I've seen it time and time again, that you even have a great mentor who mm-hmm. wants to take you under their wing, but they give you too much. That's and right. it's the same thing I have to be careful of with my kids is not just giving them stuff, wow. making them earn yeah. stuff, making them feel the importance of that's putting good. in the work and, and growing yourself so that you can grow your business. Yeah. And, I love that. That's good. Um, so as you kind of continue to progress and, and move into growing your business, what were some of the things early on that, that you, um, and, and even tapping back from, to your childhood, but what are some of the things that kind of, you know, you kind of now realize this was crucial. This was monumental in my early days in sort of forming a successful business. Yeah. I, I think that it really helped that for whatever reason, I idolized, uh, Roddy, um, I mean, I, I thought of him as a, a father figure to me and just a background on me. I, I kind of uh, grew up with the, a double kill of, of two dads. Uh, however, neither of them really were like that super. Um, I mean, my biological father wanted to be affectionate and present. However, he wasn't able to be because he left my mom. And so my stepfather was, was 
you know, I mean, gosh, he could not have been more generous and, and more faithful as a, as stepping into that role. But it's, it's a, it's a little different. Like, how do I love you as a son? And so in a weird way, I, I kind of grew up with a, a boss, you know, someone who taught me like the, the value of, you know, I'm seeing my biological father at the time making decisions that were like, okay, I don't want to end up like that because it, you know, it was, it was leading to a position where he's not experiencing, you know, this special relationship with our, or the rest of our family. Um, and then I'm seeing my, my new father, uh, Larry, who is very successful in his business, very successful in his marriage and, and, and his, you know, fatherhood of the other, uh, my other siblings. And, and so, and, and the biggest thing was that he was a, a solid believer. And, and so I'm seeing this value of like taking, your, your roles and your responsibility and your systems as a family very seriously. And so in the same way, I kind of took that, uh, you know, I really just valued on a very deep level Roddy's leadership. So when he told me about his system, it wasn't just a game or an idea or a suggestion. It was, this is how you keep away from having a, a life that's going to miss out on, on great memories. And, and I feel like I should say that David, my biological father, has really stepped in back into our life, and I, I'm so thankful for him, and he's doing a great job. I couldn't be more proud uh, of, of him and, and the relationship we're building now together. Um, but really, I, I, I think that Roddy had systems that I studied intimately and documented thoroughly. And, in fact, I, I brought them with me right here. I started taking awesome. notes when I was studying under him, and just it was at first a journal and then became a business plan. And... And it's really, you know, it all comes down to making consistent moves and prospecting. Uh, I I call it my G task. It's G T A S C and that's generate leads, train appointments, servicing those leads and negotiating contracts. If I'm not doing one of those five things, I'm probably wasting time. (laughs) So I try to make sure that in my day, every day I'm working on those five things as, as much as I possibly can. Well, I think this is a crucial time to, to interject that, you know, you know, I've talked previously that I've been fortunate enough to have conversations with some incredible people yes. and, and titans of all different uh, industries. And, and one of the things that is very consistent with all of them hmm. is exactly what you just said. You, you break it down into systems, hmm. you document, you create a note system that yeah. works for you and you don't really deviate from that system. It's always crucial to... Uh, reevaluate and see if that system needs to be changing and moving and and adapting. But once you've got a system in place, that system is your lifeblood. That's right. And that's how you move forward. That's how, if you get outside the system, you know, you have to recorrect and come back inside the system. Absolutely. Um, And and so that, for that reason alone, it's, it's no question that you've seen now some tremendous success in your business. And, and I have to interject for people that don't know, um, anybody that hasn't seen you or doesn't, doesn't know who you are, um, may not know how old you are. So can I, can I ask, (laughs) how old are you, Chase? Yeah, I, I think I'm 28. (laughs) Yeah, I'm about 80% sure. I could be 29. I really don't remember. It's uh, been a wild three years. We've just been head down. I've, I've had three babies in three years. We're building a house, our second house, within that three-year period. And, you know, we've grown. I've, you know, we've, I've personally sold about a, gosh, I don't know, it, at least $75 million worth of real estate. So 28 years old. And really only been doing real estate for three years. Right. Essentially. 
Um, well, I've been selling on my own for, uh, you know, after Roddy retired, it's probably been about four years for, uh, yeah, three or four years, but we're not talking decades here. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, that's incredible. So I, let's jump in now to, um, the industry, right? So we're, we're talking about the real estate industry. Um, and obviously you've, um, made some impressions in this market in central Arkansas, um, which is, which is where we're at. So talk to me a little bit about the history of, of kind of when you entered into the industry, where it was at and sort of where it is now. When I first entered, I think it was 2013, which was the kind of the butt end of a mini recession. And it was awesome because the biggest thing that I did was I, I was so nervous to call friends and family. And so to hit my 20 contacts, what I would do is I would call expired leads, people who are raising their hand, trying to sell their house, but their trend, their contract expired with their last realtor. So they're, they were on the market for probably, you know, three to six months and didn't sell. So I would call them and say, you know, Hey, I was curious if your house is still available. Why do you think it hadn't sold yet? You know, let's figure that out. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was kind of the, the beauty of, of starting in that season is that it was a great way to, to build listings. Um, and then, you know, now we're actually on the move towards likely another recession. In fact, just within the past day or two, they've announced some, some, uh, some news that will, that suggests we'll likely see a similar, uh, likely, um, you know, different in some ways, but a similar recession. So it's, you know, it's going to be a great time for, um, for people who are going to be able to dig into the, to the hard systems of calling people that are expired. That's going to be, honestly, it'll be easier to get listings and harder to get homes sold. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, people are always going to be wanting to make moves. I think if you're faithful to do your G task, yeah, you really have nothing to worry about. People are always going to be ready to make a move and they want to work with somebody that's going to make that move more profitable and more exciting and, and a better experience overall. So the word recession and real estate in the same sentence is often scary for most right. people. I'm already scared. I shouldn't have said it. I'm nervous. <laughs> I even mentioned it. So, well, let's, let's dig into that a little bit because, you know, 2008, before you were really in the, in, in the industry, um, I, I won't even ask what you were doing in 2008. Um, that's scary <laughs> to think about, but, um, yes. but you know, when you think about recession and real estate, uh, it, it's one of the biggest things most people are fearful of my house, my property value is going to tank. So I'm not going to sell, or I need to sell now and get out from under it before, you know, what, how do you, as a, as a, someone who's a self-proclaimed advocate for the buyer or seller, yeah. um, what do you say to them during those times? What's, what's kind of the role of, um, you know, yeah, that's a great question. And, and the good news is if you're selling in a recession, you're likely buying in a recession. So in fact, it's, it's actually not a bad time to upsize. If there's a recession, it's a great time to, to go ahead and get it sold and buy a bigger house, <laughs> buy, buy low, sell high. So it's, you know, if you're buying and selling, the the damage can often end up becoming somewhat of a wash, uh, depending on a number of variables. So I would, I would say don't be discouraged. You know, the market's going to do what it's going to do. It's best to to ride the wave and, and make sure you're working with with somebody that's going to help you be as profitable as possible through that. That's great. Um, 
So I want to jump back into um, some of the things that, that you know, again, real estate, there, there's a lot of agents out there. There's a lot of people who choose real estate as a profession. Um, there's a, some people that do tremendous in it. They make a great living. They provide for their family. They have a great lifestyle. And then there's people that struggle really hard, mm. uh, don't know how to get listings, don't know how to yeah. um, service their clients well. Um, and, and it sort of becomes this thing that they have to get out of. They have yeah. to go get a job somewhere else, even if they love the industry. That's right. So from your perspective, what are some of the characteristics, some of the things that kind of make you and make people great in this industry? Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. People can be great in different ways in real estate. And just being a top 10 producer in central Arkansas doesn't, that's not the only metric for being a successful agent. I would say that there are plenty of other teammates uh, that, you know, like there's a guy in our office uh, that I wouldn't want him to hear me say this, but I think of him as Eeyore. I mean, he's like so boring and so hard. I just wonder like, how do you grow your business, dude? You're, you are so like just funny. And so, uh, however he does good, he's, he's faithful to his family. I look, honestly, I look up to him and I try to learn a lot from him. And in fact, he's, he's, uh, he and his family are heavily involved in RPAC, which is the realtor political action committee. And, uh, when, you know, when it comes to economics and how do we uh, make sure that our industry is doing well and growing, like he's a better person to talk to. And so I try to learn from him and I try to really study him and, and his, and you know, the way the, his best practices, but all to say, you don't have to be an extrovert to be successful. You don't have to do exactly as I've done. In fact, I would argue, just be yourself, find who you are, know your story, ideally get a great mentor that can fine tune and tell you, you know, Hey, that's a great uh, character element about yours. You should lean into that and, and really grow that, that gifting or, Hey, that's something you probably shouldn't do as much. <laughs> and that's, that's the, the beauty of a great coach. And so, you know, all to say, I think it's less about you need to have this uh, character characteristic or you need to have this attribute or this personality. And it's more about adapting your efforts to your aptitudes. That's great. That sounds very scholarly. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I want to touch on this for a minute because you mentioned a couple of times and, and just knowing you, uh, <laughs> extrovert. I'm an extrovert. Uh, Woo! Let's go. <laughs> Explain a little bit about how you've uh, proven to people maybe that you're okay being in the public spotlight and and that you're not afraid of putting yourself out there. Yeah, you know that's that's a great question. Um, it's it's cool because it reminds me of how my biological father David, who is really is charismatic and and just great about connecting with people. He he was a, a sales coach for uh, you know the medical industry and just has done a lot, uh, in that, in that realm. And, and he used to just challenge me. He would say, love the spotlight, all eyes on you engage, embrace that everyone look at me. And, and it was such a, a good challenge. And it kind of encouraged me because at first I thought, am I, am I wrong for wanting all eyes on me? And, you know, but he, it really all came from his challenge. I think it was one of my first like interviews and he was like, you need to go in there and, and be absolutely confident that you want all eyes on you. Watch me succeed. And that really challenged me to, to kind of realize like, it's okay to be who I am. I mean, I, this is very selfish and I've, I'm, I'm almost nervous to say it, but 
I, I, I love it. I want the camera on all the time. I, I, I perform better when I'm being watched and I'm when, I, when there's an audience, uh, you know, it's even kind of a joke at my gym. Like they, they when they yell my name, I lift harder. And so the, the coach and the rest of the teammates that are lifting with me. They're like, go chase. And they're like, not even watching me, but I think they are. And so I, I lift harder. And so, you know, I, I don't even remember what the question was, but <laughs> I just think it's good to say it's okay to embrace who you are, even if it f- seems like, you know, it, it, I, I really don't think that it's, uh, a, a, you know, about hogging anything as much as that you want to use the, the gifting that God has given you to leverage that for blessing the people around you. And that's my goal. Well, I think one of the reasons I bring that up is I think one of my first introductions to you was a video that I saw online somewhere and it's you maybe doing a rap song or something. Oh, and, you know, it's it's one of those things that you you think of a, a, somebody trying to sell houses and they're out there doing a rap with some buddies and it's like, yes. who does this? That's right. You know, but Chase does this and it's, it's yes. worked for you and it works incredibly well. It, it garners the attention that you're wanting. I'm assuming. Yeah. Kristen Kennan, who, uh, is, is a business partner. She owns iRealty Arkansas. She is been such a great, uh, partner on that. Cause she just, it really thrives in that spotlight and loves making parody videos and so together, uh, we have loved making some some crazy videos. You know, the millennial is the largest buying demographic. And if I'm completely honest, it is hard for me at times to release. I love making those videos, but it, it's like hard for me to release it because I get nervous. Like, what about that section of the, the demographic pool? Like, are they going to not love this? Are they going to think that's not professional? But at the end of the day, we're in a new world. Like professional doesn't mean boring with a briefcase. Professional means personal and being true to who you are and producing powerful results. And that's what we do. And so being a a silly singing about how we sell homes for more money than the average realtor or for faster than the average realtor, like it's, it's all for fun. And, And it has been a great way to kind of celebrate the success that God's blessed us with and, and blessed our clients with in a, in a way that's just shareable, enjoyable content. I want to make some more. We ought to make some videos. Well, listen, my company content Titan, as you well know, uh, the, the number one thing I preach to customers and, and consumers and, and even, uh, some of the talks I give is it's all about relationships Mm. and authenticity. Are you doing or creating those two things? Cause what we do is create points of engagement. Mm. We want to give the audience a place to engage. And if we're not being relational, if we're not being authentic during those points of engagement, then they don't care. That's They're moving right. on. Yeah. As fast as we can swipe up on our phones mm. these days, if you don't give me a reason to stop and start to build that relationship and be authentic, be who you are. You said it just a second ago. Be who you are is what your, your mm. biological father told you. And it's okay to do that. And I think a lot of times we feel like, well, I can't be that way because I'm not supposed to be that way. Mm. It's not the way my neighbor is. It's not the way my dad yeah. is. It's not the way my mom is. It's not the way my best friend is. So I can't do that. And we don't give ourselves permission to create goofy videos and yes. put it out there. And then all of a sudden it's a big hit and it has <laughs> yeah. however many thousands yeah. of views and, and everybody 000. knows yeah, who crazy. you are. And next time they want to sell their house and they're thinking <laughs> of who do I go to? 
well, you know what? That was actually pretty entertaining. I think I'm going to call Chase. <laughs> yeah. And before you know it, you're selling $75 million in real estate in Golly, four years. So yeah. it's, I think, uh, something that, that people need to be okay with. Yeah. And, and maybe you start small and you start just by doing something with your close family and only release it to your extended family. I love it. And then you start with the next step of close friends and, and sort of go from there. But I think a lot of people feel like, I'm not extroverted. I'm not the person who's supposed to be in front of the camera. I'm not supposed to put content out into the world. Mm. And it's it's okay to not be in the spotlight all the time if that's, that's right. not who you're built to be. The key is, like you said, be who you are. That's right. And whoever you are, people are okay seeing that. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the other things? I mean, are videos kind of the main way that you kind of yeah. put yourself out there and I mean, have yeah. fun? Are there any and, other ways? And that- speaking of like the you know, what we're doing to, to grow the business and, and the spotlight thing is that I would say the spotlight is probably 20% of it. You know, the, the things that I get to sing about (laughs) are created in the 80% of the time where it's a closed door. I'm on my phone making calls and I'm swimming through no's to get to yeses is the success is, is not found in the spotlight it's the spotlight is a celebration and a fun, it's a talking point. It gives me something to talk about when I do make those calls. And, and I don't know. I mean, honestly, it, it has happened. However, it was never truly the intention that someone would watch our video. That's the fun ones of the music videos and say, I'm going to call chase to sell my house. It's happened, but that was never really the goal. It was more about having fun as a team, celebrating, like I said, celebrating the success that God's blessed us and our clients with and, and just having fun as a team being who we are, you know, it's just, um, it's just fun to be a little bit fun every once in a while. Well, and and again, I'm a huge proponent of stories. Um, Mm. storytelling is, I think the, the crucial part of being human. Um, no other living, breathing thing can tell stories, right? So stories to me are, are everything. And I was listening to somebody the other day that was saying, they learn a new craft every year. Hmm. They something physical that you can learn do with your hands, woodworking or stained glass making or quilt or whatever it is. Nice. They just they set out every single year and they learn a new craft. Yeah. And they and somebody said, well, you know, what? Why do you do that? What's your motivation behind it? Are you trying to become an expert at it? Is it just for fun? And he said, well, really, more than anything, it becomes a story hmm. that whenever I go someplace and I see a stained glass window, I can talk about how wow. that's made because yeah. I know how it was made or you see a quilt on a couch at a friend's house and you can talk about what goes into quilt making or whatever it is. And it's about the story. So they learn the craft in order to engage more dramatically in the story. New hobby every year. That's right. New craft. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty interesting that, you know, again, storytelling is so much uh, a part of who we are. It's our DNA. It's, it's the only thing that sets it, not the only thing, but it's one of the major things that sets us apart cerebrally from any other living, breathing thing. I think it set me apart in this industry in the sense that just like you said, this, this market, this industry of real estate agents, it is saturated in quantity. However, it's not super saturated in quality and people who are saying, this is all I do. I'm a hundred percent focused on this. I'm, I'm specializing in, in one area or, or, uh, you know, less than an area, but in, in one, um, element of residential real estate, meaning luxury market or foreclosures or flip houses or property management. It, it is, it is not super saturated in people who have dedicated 
an extreme focus uh, to doing really well in, in the industry. Um, and so I think having a, an understanding of my story and, and quite honestly, knowing the importance of the story, I made that very important to myself from the beginning. So I, that was part of documenting. It was how can I make sure that I understand my story thoroughly so that I can tell my story. And so a lot of our time has been spent on personal development and, and really understanding who am I? Why do I exist? What's the point? Why am I selling a house? Why am I even talking about real estate at all? Because if you don't understand the why, you're not going to be powerful with the what. Mm. Simon Sinek right there. If you've Beautiful. ever read Simon Sinek, no. start with why. That's his, one mm. of his famous books. And it's, it's that exact mentality. Yeah, like, why like am that. I doing this? What am I doing? You know. So let's shift gears just a little bit and talk about some of the technological advances that are affecting the real estate industry. Every industry has disruption with technology these days. I mean, the last 20 years have been so monumental in the way that industries have started to shift and change. And really for real estate since 2008, of course, everybody now is, is wondering, are we going to fall back into the same things we did before? There's new government regulations, but now there, there's significant um, technological advances in the, in the real estate industry. And I'm curious how some of those, well, first of all, what are some of those in, in your opinion that are disrupting the industry and how are real estate agents and, and professionals adapting to those changes? Yeah. Some of them, the, technological advances I've seen most recently. The first one that comes to mind for some reason, I, we just opened up a property management division at iRealty Arkansas. And we're trying to do Rackley rentals. And uh, we've, we've had uh, some success with some of our clients who are, are not able to afford the sale. Actually, they could afford it, but they could find out, they could actually make more money selling it a year later and leasing it for a year. So we call that the Rackley rental program. So we'll, we'll get a tenant in there. They'll be there for a year to two and we sell it. Uh, and they make a little bit more money. Um, so, but in the rental market, uh, they're, they're starting to do rent auctions. And I found that pretty interesting. So people are auctioning. It's like a, you bid almost eBay style on how much you're willing to invest in this apartment or this house to, to live there because, and it actually makes sense. Like someone is pro a doctor, uh, who's moving down, uh, and wants to live right next to his hospital, is probably willing to pay twice as much as the average person who is going to rent out a three bed, two bath in that general area because it's a perfect fit for he and his family. Uh, so, so a bidding situation. So that's going to, that's going to change things a little bit uh, on the, on the property management side. Um, the second thing and, and, and truly probably the most disruptive in a way, if you can call it that uh, is, flat fee broke brokerages, flat fee brokerages. So the thing about the flat fee brokerage is in fact, one of my good buddies, Matt lamb is he's really good at this. He, he loves creating flat fee brokerages or just dis discount brokerages in general, and then kind of setting up their systems and getting them their, their, their kind of them started and then selling them. He's, you know, he's had some success in building and then selling brokerages, uh, backstory, he built and sold iRealty Arkansas. Uh, and, and we were designed to be not a flat fee brokerage. We were designed to be, a, you know, a, a luxury experience, a white glove service. And, uh, and then he went from there to trying to create flat fee brokerages. Uh, so 
I'd love to go more into the backstory of that another time as if I'll ever have the opportunity to come back here. I so wish. <laughs> However, uh, we'll have you back. Okay. Like, yes. It's been recorded. So, uh, the, the thing about the flat fee brokerage though, is that it, you're not, you, you're, you're not getting the, um, the full service brokerage, uh, capacity of, of, um, it just doesn't fund the ability to have a, a team that's going to be able to provide the level of service that most people need. So the, the concern is that, in fact, Oxford just did a study on this. It was actually really surprising that there's, <laughs> they said that there's a 90 plus percent chance that realtors will be obsolete in 10 years and due to artificial intelligence. And a lot of that makes sense in the sense that as transparency and increases, uh, the need for a mediator. That was one of the things I love about Roddy is that he told me you are a mediator. Don't back down for whatever reason. There's, there's this stigma of like, don't, you don't want to be the middleman, but like Roddy was like, I'm the middleman and I'm happy to, to create peace in this transaction and make it a smooth experience. So I love that, that he was able to lean into that and not shy away. Well, the artificial artificial intelligence is is really able to eliminate the need for a lot of that middleman uh, services. Things like what is your house worth? Um, you know, even showings. Like it could be argued that you know, kind of like uh, Rently right now is a is a way that you can go look at houses that you're wanting to rent. Um, and you can actually sign up and ba- basically be able to tour the property without having a realtor there. Um, I think you have to like pay a fee to be able to do it, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, gosh, this is so, there's so much that's happening in the real estate industry and it's hard to, to go into, to, to too much detail without being so speculative and, at the end of the day, I think people always want to deal with people and people want to be, you know, if I had to guess and I feel like I'm like trying to be like the Simpsons where they always predict the future somehow, you know, that's me right now. So I want to watch this back in 10 years and say, how right was I? <laughs> but if I had to guess, I think that brokerages and teams like ours, we're going to be just fine. But the people who are not trying to create a white glove service or a luxury experience. The people who are just basically have their license and, and want to just make some money on the side that it's going to be so much harder to survive with that to, to even make enough money to keep your license, you know, cause you're going to have at that level of service that you're providing, you're going to probably have to be at a price that doesn't make sense for you to stay in business, which is why most flat fee brokerages don't survive long because it's not a, long-term business model that traditionally has succeeded. However, maybe with the artificial intelligence, it might grow. But I think for people who don't want to do their own taxes, don't want to cut their own hair, don't want to mow their own lawn, they're always going to want to hire a real estate professional to make sure that they are winning in their real estate transaction. Hmm. That's where I come in to make sure they win. That's a good point. I, I think, you know, a lot of times in life we, we, outsource the things that are inconvenient to us that are too Beautiful. difficult to learn that are too difficult for us to do ourselves and, and we choose to do the things that are easy that's right we want to do the things that are easy and so often times we will 
spend money where it makes sense to spend money because it adds convenience and convenience a lot of times equals happiness, right? Mm -hmm. They say convenience and relationships are the two things that lead to happiness. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's not money. It's just money can get us there, right? That's the mechanism. That's the tool. So, um, now it's interesting though, because in the car buying world, Mm. now we have apps we can buy cars on. Now we can go to carousel style vending machines, Carvana, right? Where I don't have to go deal with a car salesman. I can (laughs) jump in and immediately, by the way, we can thank Rob and our producer for, um, pointing this one out, but, uh, (laughs) but you know, to your point though, um, Organizations like yours are going to be just fine because the service, the the level of detail that you can put into the car, to the car buying, the home buying experience, um, people are always going to want that. That's never going to go away. But for people that see it as transactional and see it, how is that going to affect maybe the the next tier down? Um, how do you see the industry as a whole right now? I don't know what the number of agents in the country is, but however many real estate agents there is, do you predict? potentially a drop off. Oh yeah. It's going to take them. Oh yeah. Good luck. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. That's awful. That's awful. Rewind. Uh, yeah, no, there it's the barrier of entry will increase, which has been a desire for a lot of the top producers for years. It was a, it was something that, um, honestly, even I shouldn't say top producer. I don't mean just financially top people who take the job seriously. It's, it's important that the barrier of entry to become a real estate agent or a broker becomes harder. I mean, gosh, it, it shouldn't be as easy as it is to become a licensed real estate agent. And, and, you know, there's part of me that's thankful, but more of me is eager for us to, as a industry, uh, increase the barrier to entry and, and make it a bigger deal, a higher standard of ethics, a higher standard of performance, a, a higher level of, of uh, work required to provide that service to the client that is required for to, to say, yes, hire me to sell your home. And, and speaking of selling, I think that you will you will continue to see the real estate. If I, I mean, if I had to guess, I think that the real estate professionals will likely become more and more valuable to sellers and potentially less and less necessary for the transact, the people who just see it as a transaction, they don't care if they get the best deal. They don't care if they're, you know, getting a fair treatment from like the proper title company or they're getting the right lender or getting a good deal on their moving expense or even, you know, all the title fees, whatever, like they don't, that might not be as important to them. They just want to get the best deal on, on convenience, you know, for instance, Zillow offers that's doing a lot of what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, Zillow offers, I studied this to be transparent the, for the first time really today. Cause I <laughs> knew we were going to talk about this cause I've, I, I've actually been curious about this. Like what is, what is the eye buying experience going to look like? And mm. I, and I've, <laughs> I've been a little bit worried about it. Uh, like what is this going to look like? Um, how am I going to manage this? Cause obviously we're going to do it. Cause I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to ride the wave, whatever the wave is, I'm going to be riding it. Yeah. And I'm going to be able to, you know, I want to make sure we're providing a great service to the client regardless whatever the technology is, we want to be in the forefront of it. Mm. So what I'm finding is the Zillow offers program costs the client, the seller seven and a half percent. Wow. On average. That's above. It's typical. above. Yeah. yeah. 
So, uh, and convenience, there's your convenience, for right? Convenience. They buy, they use it for convenience. Yeah. And cause you can get out of your house whenever you want. You get out of your house in a few days. Mm-hmm. And you know, Roddy McCaskill had the guaranteed sale program, which is the original Zillow offers. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I've actually been doing this already, not knowing that that was like when people were talking about I buying, I had no idea that that's really what they meant. It's just like, it's just a guaranteed sale hmm. at a certain price, often less than what you could sell it for if I actually brought it to the market. So our team right now, it's not, <laughs> it's not all that uncommon that we're selling a house for more than it can appraise, which wow. is not what you want to do. Honestly, wow. you yeah. want to sell it at yeah. the, the peak and most it can possibly appraise. That's the goal. Yeah. Um, but we're, you know, just this week we've had one that came back, you know, Hey, it appraised for 3000 less. So, you know, that's kind of the goal is to, to sell it right at the most it can appraise for. And that's not going to happen with an I buy experience. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a, a conservative deal, which for some people, that's what they want. Sure. They want to be time gone. to move on. I got to get out. And that's, that's perfectly yeah. great. And I, you know, that's probably, that's, that's exciting for them mm. to have that opportunity. Do you anticipate, you know, we talked about potential for re- recession coming up. Will this I buying and, and Zillow offers opportunity, could that help or hurt the industry? Yeah, it's hard to know because I don't know how the algorithms are working for, first of all, we don't really have that happening in Little Rock right now. The, mm-hmm. Zill- the Zillow offers is not operating here. Major markets, right? Yeah, Typically. I think it's. Ha- I think they bought like 700 homes this past year. It's like, crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. They've, they've been buying a lot, but the, we haven't seen it in Little Rock. Um, but so, so I definitely can't attest to, like if they were buying in Little Rock, I could pull up on this statistical map. I could say, Hey, we, we probably not even just our team, but just like this in a proper, properly marketed property could have sold for X dollars. It sold for Y dollars. And so over all the hundreds of homes that sold Zillow offer style or Redfin or whatever the mm-hmm. iBuyer program or uh, offer pad, I think is whatever the other one is that those have sold for X dollars versus Y. And so what we're seeing is, yes, it's sold for 3% less than probably they could have made with having a, a licensed realtor uh, represent them. So I'm, t- I'm curious too, um, Forbes put an article out earlier this year about several different uh, sort of disruptions in the industry. And one of the things that, that they talk about, and you know, if Forbes is talking about it, then we better pay attention, right? So. Blockchain in real estate. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'd really love to like interview someone who really understands that thoroughly. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I have a very limited understanding of blockchain from what all I know. If, if I had to talk about it, I would, I think of it as like torning. I don't know if you've ever like torn. <laughs> this is probably shouldn't talk about this, <laughs> but I, I used to love torning, uh, you know, which is where you basically can download, um, I just have to confess this in order to be able to explain how I understand it. But like I, when I first got into the marketing business, obviously it was a little low on cash. So I torrented Adobe Photoshop and Adobe Premiere and Adobe Final Cut or Final Cut Pro. And so in order to do that, what you do is you get these programs that cost 500 bucks or $600 or what, you know, obviously uh, some expense, even if it's just a dollar, but what you can do is you can get it for free by downloading pieces of the file from different sources and it comes in as a torrented file which is a a a bunch of little sections and then you you combine these little files into one folder that and then you upload through your 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 platform 
and it, it runs the software. So from what I understand about blockchain is that it is basically torrenting the real estate index. It's taking pieces of data, things like there was a survey on this property. There was a recent sale of this price. There was a recent sale of this price. It was, uh, there was an insurance claim of this. There was another insurance claim of that. Based on that, this is probably a fair purchase price. Press here to buy it, hmm. you know, or, or press here to get a new, you know, I don't know, a new survey or a, a new, I don't I have no idea. Yeah. That's all I know. It's, it's torrenting the real estate index. Well, I think part of the, the objective here is, is to, um, you know, communicate the fact that, that things are changing rapidly. There's all kinds of new technology. There's new innovations, AI and machine learning, uh, you know, Zillow and organizations like Zillow are doing what Airbnb did to the hotel industry and what Uber did to the taxi industry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but the thing is, is those industries are now stabilized. They're figuring out how to exist with each other and coexist in those same spaces. And I think my assumption is that's going to continue to, to happen within the real estate industry. 100%. So there's a, a lot of sort of debate nowadays, especially with the millennial generation and younger people about the buying versus renting. Um, mm. My dad, if you didn't buy your house, you were wasting money. Yeah, that's right. right. Um, now there's all kinds of research and everything else comes out that's saying, well, buying might not be the best idea. Uh, renting may be a better idea, that's right. especially given your stage of life and where you're at. And, Absolutely. And not paying the interest on a house, which is often as much as the house itself, you know. And, yeah. And so what's your take on that? And obviously you've opened a management company. So that's so glad you asked. Yeah. yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of renting, which is what you don't expect to hear. From <laughs> it's a, a little counterintuitive yeah. coming from a, it is. Yeah. So I'm a huge fan of it. And, 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 and really I want to say this, that my job, even though I'm paid by it is not to sell a house. Really. It's to consult on making you make a wise move. I, I, a moment that I realized I was in the right business in the right industry for me, there was a pastor who called me probably about three years ago, three or four years ago. And he said, Hey, I'm, I'm got an awesome opportunity to go become a new, uh, become the new head pastor of this church in Dallas. It's an incredible opportunity. They're offering to pay X dollars for me to move. I'm so excited. I just need you to come sell my house. I said, absolutely. Can't wait. Came over, you know, per normal, we did a, a thorough broker price opinion at the time. I couldn't call it that a market analysis on the property, uh, and told him, Hey, this is what the fair purchase price for your house is. Uh, this is what it, you would net. Once we go to the closing table, this would, this at this price would be a high five moment at the closing table. Uh, let me know, let, you know, if this works, let's do the deal, man. That's, that's about 10,000 too low. I can't, I can't afford that even with the support. And in that moment, him saying, you know what? I'm not going to take that pastoral role. I just can't take that much of a hit. The financial overall deal didn't make sense for his family. And I left that meeting with the same sense of joy that I get at a closing table. Hmm. And the feeling of like, I read like a a normal experience might've been, Oh, he wants me to sell his house. Perfect. I'll talk him into signing the listing agreement, get the sign in the yard. He'll be surprised or slapped with a, a, 
you know, at the closing table potentially, or, or even after he gets the offer that man, he goes through all this work and realizes that the, the total net proceeds is way less than what it would. But instead it's like, my job is not to, to sell. It's to guide people in the process of making a move. Hmm. And I really did. I felt energized and like I did my job and it was just as successful and exciting as, as if it were, as if we were high-fiving at the closing table. And that was a moment for me. And so in the same way, I have no intention of telling someone they should buy a house if they need to rent a house. I'm renting a house personally. We, we built our last house. We sold it. And so we were like, man, you know, gosh, what are we going to do? And so we decided let's build again. And so instead of doing what you'd probably think normal and buying another house, we, we decided let's rent, you know, let's, let's rent. So we're renting a house right now and it's been awesome. I mean, it's been really a great, oh, golly, no maintenance. We call, we call <laughs> when, gosh, when the toaster oven doesn't work. She's like, that's an appliance that you put on the counter. I'm like, oh, but I want a toaster strudel. Come fix it. No, we don't have toaster strudels, but that's the idea. Yeah, well, I think that's that's a really interesting just take and concept on it. I mean, there's definitely days, weeks, months that I wish I was renting my house because yes. I would love to call somebody to come fix come the air conditioner that by the way, can't be fixed by maintenance. <laughs> it has to be replaced. Right. And so there's $4,000 yeah. and you know, and, and all these things that I have an idea on that, by the way, <laughs> I can actually help you with that. There's a home warranty plan I can hook you up with. It'll save you some money. Oh, trust me. It's I, I'm the kind of guy who's, I got it the first year we moved in and I was like, oh. ah, we're not going to need it. So we cancel and yes. you know, then you don't think about it. Um, yes. but you know, I, th- I think it's just a valid conversation point these yeah. days is, is buying versus renting. And the yeah, fact that big. we used to think growing up for me, the, the American dream is to own your own home and, and to move in that first time and yeah. feel like this is it. We did it. And now you realize, and, and, and I'm not talking anybody out of buying a home. I think oh, of course. there's often, it's a great investment, a great opportunity. And, and for certain people's lifestyle, that's what you want. That's what you need. Um, but I think it's opened up the conversation that it's actually okay to rent a home or a condo or whatever you want to. And you're not throwing money away. That's right. Uh, because that was the mentality that I kind of walked into adulthood with Yeah, was if you're renting, you're throwing money away. Yeah. And you're not. And, and here's why, uh, if you're going to live somewhere for less than really probably three years at the minimum, you're probably not going to make money selling it. Arkansas is one of the most con- stable, consistent markets. I love Arkansas. It is a beautiful market to be in. Quite honestly, for someone like me who is just constantly eager to be one of the like on the cutting edge and trying to figure out what can we do to be at the leader role of the of our market with technology and whatever, we are able. To, we're so spoiled. I, I could just watch the agents in in Austin, Texas, in Los Angeles, uh, even New York. And I, and I can just study them and apply some of the things that they're doing on our scale. And it, it's really, I, I genuinely don't feel like I'm all that creative. I'm just a doer. Like I just try to do the things I see that other people do well. And I just try to do it in my own way. And in the same way, you know, we, we as, a, as a city, Little Rock, we are so good about learning from other cities. You know, last uh meeting we we had we get together with uh for like the go green little rock uh planning stuff for the with the mayor you know he was talking about how we were learning from from the city of boston 
and they're starting to do like green rooftops and we're starting, I don't know if you noticed, but we're starting to do like more greenery on our rooftop. Like, I just love that our city is learning from other bigger cities that might have a little bit more of a volatile market where Little Rock, we're so relatively consistent and safe and it's a beautiful place to live. So we're coming up on, on, on sort of the end of our time and I want to jump into a couple of things. One halfway there. Got it. We, Here we go. <laughs> We've talked a lot about um, <laughs> things you do that, that not everybody does. You, you're a doer. I mean, that first and foremost is something that um, I've, I talk to a lot of people and they're afraid to reveal secrets about their business or they mm. don't want to talk and through to be. certain things because they think somebody's going to steal it and they're going to go do it. Yeah. The problem is 99% they of the people do aren't going to do it anything. It took me a while to realize that. I used to try and keep it all secret. That's why I printed off my business plan for you, Nate. I brought it. It's you know, my, I've been thinking about getting into the real estate business, so I'm going to You can literally take it and take over <laughs> my business. It is so transparent. I mean, it's, it's really that simple. It really is. It's, it's so just about being consistent and committed and faithful to just follow through. Like, do what you say you're going to do. I, I had a guy that got into the business about the same time as I did. In fact, I... I he was one of my first uh, additions to the original OG Rackley team. And he lasted less than a month. Mm. And it was hard because I liked the guy and I really enjoyed working with him. But he didn't do simply the things that he said he would do. Ideally, or uh, typically, most importantly, for the client. Like it wasn't like he told me, like, he would tell the client, hey, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be out there with our video and our, our camera, our, you know, our vide- videography and our drone you know, we'll be there tomorrow. And he like, wouldn't show up. And it was like, dude, we can't play like that. And, and just like half of the battle is just like showing up, do what you say you're going to do. Like either, either promise less <laughs> or do, uh, you know, what you promise. And so, you know, we, gosh, you know, just do, show up, do what you say you're going to do, be committed, do, do your G task. It's really, Honestly, the, the business is not that complicated. I think if you have integrity, if you have commitment, if you have passion, uh, you don't even always have to have passion, like my Eeyore friend. You can, you can just show up and you'll, you'll still probably sell about you know, 10 million a year. It's crazy. Um, so we, we've kind of talked about this, but in your mind, the, the people that you have the opportunity to mentor and the people that have mentored you um, you know, we've talked about your friend, Roddy, what does it take to be a Titan of real estate? Gorgeous. I think it takes integrity because that was the thing I saw Roddy do well, that really stuck with me most is in moments that he could have taken advantage or, even particularly a moment stands out where he, in order to get a, a, a triple stack deal, which is where the buyer who was buying his listing, which his, the buyer of that property, it was contingent upon him selling his house and the house that he was buying was contingent upon that purchase of his house, which is really not very common that you would have a triple stack deal. And, uh, it's, it's kind of a crazy story and to spare from all the time of the details, basically it's crazy, but he said, I need each person to give me 
$1,000 more of commission. Like, this is crazy. I, I wish I need to go into the detail. I'm not, but I should to be able to make it make sense. But he, he basically said that. He said, I need, and I need more commission from each person. And he was going to basically personally pay for uh, the appropriate repairs to make sure each deal got done. And it was crazy because, like, he had a, he had a deal to be able to get that at a, at a better price. It's kind of a long story. But basically, every client knew his reputation enough to say, okay, here's an extra $1,000 to an agent that's not even representing me in this transaction. And they, they made it work and he got the deal done. And that was a, that was a special moment. In fact, Keller Williams, when I was there, they had me come and share about this to the entire brokerage. Cause I, I was so impacted by it. It had gone around like Chase has been talking about this integrity, integrity. Mm. Like, well, how do you, what does integrity look like as a, as a top producer? Because quite honestly, in, in the wonderful wise words of my friend, Rebecca folks, she says, it's lonely at the top. <laughs> It's lonely at the top. So you don't have many people vouching for you. And so I was, it was kind of exciting for people to hear about, you know, someone's vouching for Roddy about his, his integrity. Cause you know, you get a lot of haters when you're a top seller. And so I'm vouching. I'm saying, dude, it was so in- inspiring to see his integrity. So I got to share the story of how Roddy said, Hey, pay me <laughs> extra. I'm going to get these deals done for everybody. And he did it. People trusted him. And that was a moment for me that said, I want to lead with integrity. So our Rackley rule, we have 15 Rackley rules and our Rackley rule. Number one is prize integrity over profit. Mm. That's powerful. I think if you, if you stay true to that, continuing to prize integrity over profit, keeping people above all else, you're going to win. Well, well, it is no surprise in my mind that you are a Titan of the real estate industry. So I want to go through a couple of rapid fire questions. We'll wrap up our time here. Okay. Um, just whatever comes to mind, quick answer. So what single resource do you get the most valuable industry info from? Inman News. Mm. Say that again? Inman. Inman. My best friend, George Cress, he married Jana Inman. They're not related. But there you go. Inman News. There you go. Inman They're, News. It's really good. It's a great place. You have to pay for it, but it's a great way to get realtor insight. Yeah. George Cress. Titan George Cress. of... Of Rick's. Caterpillar and Yes, outdoor. you know George. Oh, yeah. Yes. Let's get him on here. That's right. Um, so what part of your daily routine are you unwilling to give up? Prospecting. What was the last book you read? I'm currently reading Sacred Marriage by a guy named Gary. And uh, I have, I call it my carousel. I'll, at all times, I have three books that I keep on, on uh, just on tap. And so Sacred Marriage... Um, and then I've got the slight edge and the go giver. Those are the three I'm trying to knock out. What's happening in the real estate industry 10 years from now? What's your prediction? I think we're all going to die. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think that artificial intelligence, if I had to guess, I think artificial intelligence will allow for there to be uh, likely more um, need for a, listing specialist, but less need for a buyer representative. However, I always believe people will still potentially need the buyer agent to just make sure that there's that extra party vouching for their best interest. So there's not a dual agency, dual agency in a perfect world is, is perfectly fine because you would know that the 
the agent has the best you know, integrity to say, I'm creating a win-win. I'm not secretly only helping this guy. I'm, you know, so in a perfect world, which quite honestly is not this world, uh, a dual agency is completely fine every time. Um, and, and so if I had to guess, I think in 10 years, people will be less likely to pay buyer agent commissions, but will happily pay realtor or listing commissions. Just like every business is happy to have a marketing department or a marketing director or even salespeople. I mean, obviously you're going to want to have those people representing you in the same way. People are going to always have people wanting to represent and sell their product, their house. I think though, having a buyer agent might become less and less, potentially might become less and less someone that you reach out to. Um, it's just hard to know because as a luxury experience, I think that that'll always, it'll be somewhat consistent with the way it is now, Hmm. but in the the middle kind of transactional based, probably see a little bit less, especially for, from the investors, Mm -hmm. for investors. I, I really imagine there will be less, uh, buyer agents probably just going straight to the, I buying. Yeah. So what, what about the industry makes you just cringe? What do you hate? What doesn't work well in your mind? What what do you wake up every day and say, I wish this didn't exist in the real estate industry. Oh man. I'm trying not to say names. (laughs) Yeah. So just people in general, (laughs) wish wish people didn't have Uh, to be involved so much. Gosh. I mean, shoot. Um, yeah, I, I would say it is, it's a little too common that some agents egos get in the way of doing a good deal. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, so, so that kind of makes me cringe in the sense that sometimes the, the realtor can just get in the way of actually trying to help their client. Hmm. Like they take personal vendettas or for instance, like they'll try to negotiate not having to let the fridge convey, you know, like it's, they're all about it. Like, no, the client would never do it. And then the client doesn't care. Yeah. Take the, take the fridge. Like <laughs> I didn't want to have to pay to move it anyway, but the, lose a deal over. It right. But the realtor will go to bat so aggressively just cause they want to try and, and you know, gosh, you can't, you can't hate them for it. Like you always want to know that you've done your absolute best to give the best to your client. But it, you know, there's certain times that, uh, it's just kind of like, man, that was more of your ego than it was your actual desire to sell or serve the client. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think any industry is, uh, you know, immune to the oh. ego of certain people blowing up deals and, oh, yeah. and ruining the, <laughs> the aspect yeah. for it. Luckily we have great people in this industry. Our, our market, Lurock, we ha- honestly, I, I can say this genuinely. I am so honored and, and quite honestly feel undeserving to be in the top 10 of central Arkansas. And I'm just so thankful to be able to say like that I even do the same thing as Brandy Harp Mm. that I get to say, I'm also a realtor like Casey Jones. Mm. Like it is such an honor to say, yeah, my biggest competitor is Jennifer Atkins. Like those are people who I love. I, I mean, and it really wasn't until probably this uh, about this time last year that I realized there's plenty of business to go around. I'm going to keep my secrets, you know, <laughs> now it's like, 
I can tell, I can tell all the secrets. There's only a few doers. Yeah. And you, and you kind of want to play with them. You want to have the competitive spirit with them. Yeah. And I want to have, yeah. And, and, and really it's been such a blessing. We've got, you know, Bryce Ramey, uh, Ramsey Sheffield, Ryan Stevens, Stephanie Caldwell, Drew Files, Regina Ott, you know, just some incredible uh, teammates that have been a major blessing to our business, not just, you know, as producers, but as integritous people that love people well. And if I had to be completely honest, I would say they're better realtors than me. They're just not better marketers than me. Mm-hmm. And because of my gifting in marketing, I'm going to get them business. And that's going to be the best way to serve my clients. Mm, that's good. All right. Last question. What about your industry makes you excited to wake up every day, be better than you were yesterday? Yeah, the people. And so, so the people is both sides. It's, both. <laughs> it's absolutely both. The best and worst part about real estate, the people. And yeah, thankfully, it's 99% of the time, it's the, it's the best people. I get to work with the best people. I mean, that's, I mean, selfishly, I made it very important to myself to just pick the people who I just wanted to hang out with all the time. And they <laughs> happen to be my teammates and they're now very successful realtors. That's awesome. All right, Chase, where can people find you if they have questions, if they want to sell their house, where can people get a hold of you? ChaseRackley.com, RackleyTeam.com realtybro.com <laughs> whatever <laughs> facebook.com slash rackley realty whatever uh just you know call me 501-519-4889 cell phones out there there we go let's go well there you go the master marketer the titan of real estate chase rackley thanks so much for your thank time thank you nate and thank you robin excited to be here excited to come back That's right. to my guaranteed next episode <laughs> let's go all right! If you liked this episode of Titans of Industry, head to contenttitan.co slash podcast for more episodes or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And if you know of an industry titan that's doing amazing things, let us know on social media or through our website so we can tell their story. Thanks for listening.